We talk about self-care on this show a lot, and one of the ways I'm able to better take care of myself is by finding ways to create more time, and I do that by knowing when to delegate. My assistant churned manager, Brandy, who has her own episode, by the way, it's number 53, knows all about that. The number one rule to delegating is knowing what absolutely needs to be created by you, and then knowing which things someone else might be better at, or which things someone else can do easily. And when I need something done outside of my and Brandy's scope, I use Fiverr. Fiverr.com is a super cool professional marketplace where you can find contractors all over the world to help you do the little things that you need help with or that require a special skill set like creating podcast cover art. I use Fiverr for that all the time and I've always been happy with the work and each virtual professional on Fiverr also has comments and rankings so you can see who is consistently providing great work. It's a really wonderful solution to buy back some of my time and get the stuff done that I need to move forward on a project. If you're needing some more time in your schedule, I highly recommend finding ways to delegate and maybe finding your own virtual assistant, like mine was Brandy, who's now a manager, or copywriting, or maybe podcast cover art or anything else that you might need that you should be delegating. I have my very own Fiverr link in the show notes that will take you right to it. So take a breath, click the link in the show notes and spend that extra time for yourself. When I tell women set a bigger goal, I tell them to pick something that for them feels slightly scary or out of reach or like I could never do that. Something that's exciting, that gets your creativity going. Because when you're focused on what you can create and you get that spark of creativity and joy, all of a sudden, all of your attention gets diverted from what do I look like? How awful does my cellulite look? Your whole focus is negative. So Mm. it's really important. I want women to get their joy back and their power. And then once you're living from that space, what you eat will automatically start to change. It all begins by understanding the mind. I want to be happy now. I don't care about the future. I want to be happy right now. You are not alone. You are never, ever, ever alone in this. It's helped my voice grow and given me freedom to be creative on my own. I'm Christina Barcy. Welcome to Be Bold Begin, a podcast dedicated to you, the creative, the healer, and the innovator. The topics and conversations we have here are designed to help you discover what might be getting in your way and offer you tools, techniques, and guidance to move through them. I live in the imposter's body more than I live in my own body. I don't have to feel like I don't deserve this. This is where creativity and healing intersect. If you decide to be bold and begin, you have the opportunity to feel humbled and empowered. I totally believe that. I'm a certified Kaizen Muse creativity coach, a certified Reiki energy healer, and an entrepreneur, artist, and presenter. I will share with you my experiences, my proven tools and techniques that helped me and my clients and loved ones shift and expand in the areas they most desired. This is a gentle and open space where you will hear how others are being bold to encourage you to begin your own journey or expand the one you're on. This is Be Bold Begin. 
Hi, welcome back to Feeble Begin and Happy New Year. I want to start by saying that if you're like me and you experience the holidays this way, which for me, it's like a lot of temptation around food, eating things that maybe you don't normally eat and maybe indulging a little more, maybe drinking a little more often than you normally do, then you are experiencing what I'm experiencing, first of all. (laughs) Second of all, it also brings up this sort of guilt that comes with all of that and negative self-talk. And the fact is, is that it might be really prominent during this season, but it's also a cycle that can exist outside of just the holidays. And it maybe is just even more glaring during this time of the year. And then on the flip side of that energy, we have the new year, which brings in feelings of inspiration and all of this new energy to make new choices that are more in alignment with honoring ourselves and what we really want to experience. So in honor of honoring you. (laughs) I thought that this would be the perfect time to talk about our relationship with food and dieting and how that all connects to the other things in our lives and maybe things that we're not even conscious of that it's connected to. So of course, I brought on an expert to talk with us today. She is a registered dietitian, a public health writer, the author of Love to Lose, Love Your Life and Watch the Weight Lose Itself. And she facilitates change for women. And of course, she also has a personal journey that allows her to speak from her own experience. Her name is Camille Martin, and I cannot wait to dig into this conversation. So welcome, Camille. Hi, Farsi. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm really excited, and I think it's the perfect time because, yes, everyone's making their resolutions and probably not sticking with them. (laughs) So I'm really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for being here. And I noticed that I tend to cover this topic around this time, just subconsciously, just circles in. (laughs) And I'm sure it's because it's what I'm going through. (laughs) Right. Yeah, you're not alone. Yeah, I'd be curious to know, because you brought up resolutions, what the statistics are around people that create resolutions around this topic. Yeah. And then how long those resolutions are in place. Yeah. Well, I, in fact, I just wrote my first blog post of the new year about resolutions. And I usually do that every year just because so many people are, you know, going full out, making hundreds of changes and then, you know, trying to turn themselves into a completely different person, you know, by February. So Mm -hmm. I was doing a little research on that statistic and I found one from Forbes magazine. It was, I think it was only like two years ago, but they said, 80% of resolutions fail. But what I thought was really cool about their article was that they listed several reasons why resolutions fail. But the main one was that the changes that people want to make were not backed up by a shift in mindset before they decided to make the changes. So yeah, it's got to come from within to start with. And it's funny, nobody wants to hear that because it's very alluring to just, you know, have this, I'm going to do all of these things and then I'm going to turn into a different person and have this checklist and check it off every day. Here's what I did. But it really does have to start from way, way deep inside. And that takes a lot more work that's not always cut and dried, you know, so I think it's harder for people. But once you embrace that and you start there, then, you know, I always love that quote, a year from now, you'll wish you'd started today, you know, so 
That's so speaking my language. That's exactly <laughs> the way I approach everything is this inside out sort of mentality, because it's true. We live in a checklisty kind of world, mm-hmm. especially with social media telling us, you know, you know, how many posts do you see a day where there's like a hack about this, a checklist for this, right? three steps to that, you know, all of that. And you can still create a mindset checklist, but the work that's required right? <laughs> each step takes is much longer than maybe yeah. what a checklist suggests. So it's like getting behind the reality of the long game and having long lasting change, right? Exactly. Well, and there are certain tangible steps that you can take to help yourself get into a mindset shift. Like for instance, I was saying in my post that if you carry yourself differently, you know, just walking differently, looking up, looking people in the eye, holding your head up, that kind of a thing and doing something small, like even just dressing up in the morning instead of slouching around in your sweatpants, which is really easy to do right now because we're all sort of housebound. But you know, you don't realize how much those things affect how you feel about yourself and how you feel about yourself changes how you see yourself of who you are. So there are some definite steps you can take, but overall it's a mental shift. And that does take a lot of reflection and reading and people listening to your awesome podcast. These are great ways, you know, to start seeing things differently. You just got to let those ideas sink in. Agreed. Thank you for that. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's true that what you say about what we call in, I learned it in this way, what's called acting as if, like as if I, you know, so you're getting into the energy of what you want to feel like. Mm-hmm. And I'm a creativity coach. So there's a lot of play in what we do. And one of the exercises was to think of like a role model or someone you admire and like dress up like them. I love that. <laughs> like bring in that energy just for fun and like walk around the house or do whatever you do and do it for as long as it makes sense to you, of course. But yeah. it's kind of a fun, silly way to make it less heavy to try to make these shifts happen. Right. Yeah, I love dancing. I put on loud music and sing and dance and my kids think I'm a complete freak, but I do it anyway. And it makes makes me feel really good. It sets the tone for my day, you know, lots of different yeah. things you can do. So and what you just said, I love what you said about dressing up like someone I was just making a video this morning. And I was saying that if people who are always saying I want to have so-and-so's body, you know, I want to look like her or whatever it is, the celebrity. Well, I was just saying that imagine what that woman does that's totally different. It has nothing to do with losing weight, but like she hangs out with positive people. She reads different books than you probably do. She doesn't watch negative news. All of those things dramatically affect your outlook on life, which then trickles down into the choices you make with food. So it's all connected. That's a really, really great way to put actions through your day, like to extend that idea of treating yourself kindly by looking nice and feeling good about that, like getting dressed for the day, for example, the example you brought up earlier, but actually thinking about what the few steps are that that person maybe starts their day with, or, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about what does this person read? What does this person watch? How do they spend their time? Yeah. And trying to do one or two of those things and see how it feels and how it shifts. Yeah. That's a great one. I love that we're already jumping right into things people can do (laughs) because these are little things anyone can do at any time. Right. You just have to choose to try it. I love that. Yeah. So, So thank you for that. Yeah, sure. We can jump right into your methodology because from what we talked about before this conversation was that you don't focus on dieting to help 
women, specifically women, right, Mm -hmm. lose weight because they come to you with that goal, right? So how does creating a bigger goal outside of just losing weight work for this goal that they show up to you for, which is the weight loss and the how we want to look and feel, I suppose. Right. Well, first of all, diets don't work. And it happens over and over again that when I meet with a new client, a lot of the time, you know, they're expecting me to tell them what to eat. And I say, no, 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 no. We're not going to start with what you eat because it's more important the way that you're eating, the way that you're using food for the weight to keep showing up. So most of the women I work with eat emotionally. And that Of course, what you eat is ultra important, and I definitely recommend making changes there too, but I don't give people instructions on or menus, here's what you do, because that misses the whole point of why we're using food in the first place to fill ourselves up. So that was sort of to get to the goal part. Setting a bigger goal, a goal that has nothing to do with losing weight or what you look like is so, so important because what happens when women diet and fail over and over and over again for years, and I did it too, for like 25 years, I tried to lose the same, these same 10 pounds, I mean, for 25 years. And I'm not alone. I mean, women are doing it everywhere. And it's like, after that long, or even if it's 10 years, and you're trying and failing and trying and failing, you feel like there's something wrong with you, that you just don't have what it takes or you're out of control. Your confidence literally gets flushed down the toilet. And after a long time of this, your confidence gets chipped away to the point where you feel incapable of doing other things in your life. You start putting your life on hold. You know, I'm going to wait once I lose the weight, then I'm going to do this. Well, Even if you finally do get the weight off temporarily, you're not going to feel like doing those things anyway, because you're living from such a place of smallness, like trying to just lose weight is dumbing yourself down so much that it is such, it's not just a disservice to who you are as a spirit and a woman and a powerful person and entity. It is such a slap in the face to who we really are to waste so much time and effort trying to perfect ourselves from the outside in. When I tell women set a bigger goal, I tell them to pick something that for them feels slightly scary or out of reach or like I could never do that. And for some women, it's, you know, do a 5k. For some women, it's, you know, I want to speak a foreign language, something that's exciting, that gets your creativity going. Because when you're focused on what you can create and you get that spark of creativity and joy, all of a sudden, all of your attention gets diverted from what do I look like? You know, how awful does my cellulite look? I look so disgusting. I'm so horrible. I'm going to try not to eat this. Your whole focus is negative. So Mm. it's really important. I want women to get their joy back and their power. And then once you're living from that space, what you eat will automatically start to change. I mean, first of all, you're not going to be sitting around going, I'm going to try not to eat ice cream in front of the TV tonight because you're going to be busy and excited doing something else. Wow. So thank you. That was actually, I feel a really succinct way to explain what can be a big process right? with these small steps that you take aiming for something that brings more joy than this idea of weight loss does not feel joyful. That's a really no. good point. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't come from a joyful place like, oh, I'm excited to look better. It doesn't have that energy to it for some reason. Right. 
how do we shift into trusting that we will get there? And it's the confidence piece, right? It is. A lot of it is the confidence, which we don't have after dieting and failing. But I want to say one thing to your listeners. It is not a bad thing to want to look better and feel better in your body. And I totally get it. Women want to lose weight. I get it. I look down every day. It'll never leave me. You know, like, oh my God, what do I look like? You stand up out of your bed in the morning going, yep, it's still there. But we all feel these things. We're just like completely brainwashed by society. So it's not going to go away and you're not superficial and whatever and self-absorbed to want to have your body look good. We were meant to live in healthy, vibrant, lean toned bodies. And by the way, we have that underneath. You're never trying to go get another body. I think that's the way we think of it. Like, I'm going to bust ass and then in February, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to have the perfect body. I'm doing air quotes for your listeners, but you already have that body. Really, it's in there. You just have to let it emerge and you can't do that by beating yourself. Beating your body into oblivion is not going to work. It just doesn't. It takes allowance and acceptance. I'm feeling everything you're saying and because I've, I've never really heard it said that way. I'm hearing it for the first time in a new way where you have it, you already have it. Yeah. And that's such a different feeling than trying to go get something that's somewhere out there, like right. that someone else has. And we also put all of these ideas connected to that, like, oh, well, their lives must be so much better mm-hmm. than mine. And whether we actually say that consciously or not, it feels that way. Oh, yeah. We think everybody else has it all figured out. We think everybody else's life is better. Social media does not help with this at all. But yeah, everyone's coming from really the same place of hurt and pain and wanting to have better lives. There's no such thing as a perfect life. What I want women to get is that if you can embrace the idea that the body that you want is really already in there and that you were born powerful. And if you start living into that, your body will adjust to match that, you know, and we're not living powerfully. We're wasting our lives, years of our lives and our whole lives in some cases, dieting, trying to lose weight, the same 10 pounds. When I think back on it, it's just, that's why I'm doing this. I used to be really angry. Now I'm just trying to use that to help other women, but it's such a tragedy and a waste of time and beautiful women who could be out there changing the world, at least changing their own world and their, the lives of other people around you will be changed when you start living that way. You're not selfish if you're a mom to want to go and have a new goal. And I don't know. I feel like society just does such an awful number on us. I don't want to be a negative person saying that, but it really is true, you know? It is. And I know that we all connect with that because we're all living in a place now in this time and space where we're exposed to everything. We see how everyone's perfect lives are right on social media, which is a total lie. And we all know that, (laughs) but it doesn't change the way it feels just because we know that that's true. So I was an actress. I live in LA. Mm-hmm. And I was an actress first when I was first coming out here and I was getting sent out for commercials that were more in the category of like modely things mm-hmm. and you would have to show more skin like they would ask you to show up in a bikini or oh my and god I was not I wasn't comfortable with that but <laughs> no and I don't know if I would have been comfortable with that even if I was totally confident in my body but I definitely wasn't yet and that wavers for me. Sometimes I am, sometimes I'm not. Right. And it just felt so inauthentic. Mm-hmm. But being in LA, like it really is this external influence that is 
compounded here, but it exists everywhere. I cannot imagine what it would be like. It's a real thing, but I actually stopped acting because it was just too much. I was like, I'm tired of being put in this box. I can't deal with everyone else's opinions about it. Oh, that must be so hard. Like just competitiveness and rejection and focus on what you look like to the exclusion of all else almost, you know? Yes. And it kind of speaks to this dichotomy of like, that's not why I was there. I wanted to be like this intellectual actress who got roles that were dynamic, which didn't really exist at the time. You know, everything was very two dimensional. Well, and because you're so beautiful, like they're not going to pick you for something probably that's, you know, I'm sure it's hard. You. you really are. You're so beautiful. So thank you for saying that. Yeah. Well, inside, mostly your spirit is so beautiful. It's obvious. The first moment I was talking to you, I was like, Oh my God, I feel so like warm and fuzzy. (laughs) I felt that way too. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for that. I appreciate that acknowledgement very much because that is to me what matters more as well is like how we all feel together. And yeah, I want everyone to feel like uplifted and in their best selves all the time. Definitely. Um, Or as much as possible. You can't always feel like that. Right. I know that. But I feel the same way. I loved chatting with you on the phone before we jumped into this. It was just really easy and really nice. Yeah. Um, well, I could go on for days and days. One hour is just not enough because I could talk <laughs> <laughs> for 10 hours about all of this stuff. But yeah. Uh, yeah, same. I love these types of conversations because I feel like number one, they're so relatable, which is what I'm getting at with this question. And you know, the mindset stuff is really where the shifts happen and stay. It's where the change really is long lasting. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to ask you, you know, how do we manage all of those external influences when we're trying to make this kind of a change? That is such a tough question because, I mean, you just can't get away from it, you know, honestly. So I hate to be boring, but it really goes back to every single day. You have to make the choices for you that set your mental and emotional environment up so that you're not as torn apart by it. So for example, Back in my dieting days, you know, I didn't read anything inspiring in the morning. I rolled out of the bed. I mean, I was usually hungover. I don't drink anymore, but rolling out of the bed, three cups of coffee, run to work, work all day and, you know, go out for dinner after work, then try to have a workout. I don't know. I was just go, 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 go. And I never had any self-reflection. I was always, you know, killing myself on a workout, you know, dieting, not eating. So now... I wake up every morning, not because, oh, look at me, I'm so great, but I literally cannot start my day unless I have at least an hour of quiet time, reading something inspiring. I mean, I cannot imagine turning on the TV and looking at the news ever, not ever. And I think, you know, some people say, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? Oh, trust me, you'll know, you'll find out what you need to know. That's how I feel about it because it brings me down. It puts me in a negative space. But then just real quick, as far as negative influences about your body, social media is, I love social media, but like if you're following people who are like fitness models and you're trying to get tips on how to, you know, exercise better, that's great. But just don't inundate yourself with it. If you're looking at pictures of women who have, you know, the perfect body or whatever, or, you know, there's a lot of information on you have to eat clean or, you know, there's crazy stuff like don't eat nightshade vegetables, all of this crazy shit. It's like, stop it. You know, it's like, it's just food. Why don't we focus on inside first? But it's hard to escape all of those influences about what we are supposed to look like as women. And it's just, 
I wish there was going to be like a new revolution of I'm 52 and I feel the same as I did when I was 16 years old. You know what I mean? Like on the inside. And it's Mm -hmm. crazy because all of a sudden now it's like you're almost like washed up and thrown away. You know, like if you start to get, I mean, I have wrinkles, I have gray hair, I color my hair, whatever. But it's like you keep getting these messages of like, you're on your way out. You know, I hate all that 50 is the new 30 and whatever, but it really is sad. It's like, I know now that I know what I know about being 30 and now 50. When I'm 70, I'm going to feel the exact same way as I do now. And I feel like we need to embrace the other women around us, especially who are older than we are, and quit being so judgmental about who got plastic surgery and who didn't. It's just heartbreaking, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so interesting. And like slow things change around you where your friend circle might change a little depending on your environment and how you start to change. And Definitely. I feel like I'm just getting started. I just started my business three years ago. You know, every day it's something different. Some days are harder than others, but it's so much fun to like help other people and I don't know. I wouldn't go back to 20 for all the money in the world. I was practically face down in a gutter, like drunk. You know, Me too. I mean, God, <laughs> I was a total idiot and I didn't know what was going on. I had smooth skin and that's great, but I don't want to trade that for what I know now, you know? Totally. And someone literally asked me that question just a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about like, you know, oh, you know, if you could be 20 again, I was like, I would never want to go back to that. I very much appreciate this time in life that I'm in now. It's so much better than any other time of life I've experienced yet. And and statistically, just speaking about starting new chapters, statistically, that happens after age 40. It's like 45 to 60 or when entrepreneurs, that's the biggest pool of entrepreneurship. Yeah. These are just things we don't talk about or know. And that's the truth. But we don't acknowledge that as much as maybe we should as a society. Yeah. So I think that talking about it in this way is really important so that people can hear it. Me too. And know that that's actually the truth. And I work on podcasts. So one of the guests we've had on another show that I work with brought on a couple of women in their 80s. Awesome. And they're the most energetic, vibrant women I've ever met in my life. And they are doing so much. It's so great. They're so in love with life. And that is... Yeah, they appreciate it. Yeah, it's like getting back to the core of what we're talking about, which is the mindset and how we want to feel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, do they look like they're 20? Of course not. (laughs) And they're not supposed to. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. They are loving every second of their existence. I love that. That's how I want to be. Me too. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, and I'm sure it took some time to get there. Like it does. Yeah. For all of us, we all have a different journey about when we want to wake up to that. It's uncomfortable. It's a lot of work. Yeah, it is. It's interesting when when you think about it that way, because we want these things, but what's required to acquire them Mm -hmm. or to reveal them to ourselves, I should say, takes some work that maybe we don't really want to do. Yeah, no, it's the hardest. It's the hardest work because, yeah, everyone wants me to give them tips. How much of this should I eat? And That would be easy for me to give and say, here you go, go on your merry way and good luck with that. If you're able to stick with it, then you lose weight. And if you're not, you're a total failure and you won't lose the weight. Oh my God. When I say, get out your journal, people are like, oh, please don't make me, (laughs) don't make me journal. And I'm like, 
let's call it something different. Like just get a notebook. And when you're just sitting like in the carpool line or whatever, just write something. It doesn't have to be anything special, but you will be shocked at what comes out on the page. If you just start writing, it's just cathartic. It's to get it out. You're not writing essays and you're not, you know, no one's grading your paper. It's stuff like that. And when people say meditating, I swear to God, Barcy, I cannot meditate. But what I can do is, I mean, I could, I shouldn't say that. I don't really give it enough of an effort, but see, there it is. The effort is. to meditate. Yeah. But we all have something like that, that we're like, oh, I'm told this is good for me and I don't want to do it. Right. I just light <laughs> yeah. a candle and I just sit, you know, and look at the candle and reflect. I think that's that meditation. meditation. Yeah. Okay. Is. Well, maybe yes. I'm doing it then. Yeah. You are doing it. You are doing it. I think, and of course we all define this a little differently. There is a by the book meditation definition that I've read recently that differs from what I'm about to say. But I do believe that it is just focus, whatever that is. It can be painting, it can be reflecting. Yeah. And gazing, gazing at a candle is actually really good for certain parts of your spirit and chakras and all that good stuff. So yeah, there's so many ways to tap in. Perfect. Yeah. To that part of ourselves. I think that's the real goal is to access that. I told someone to journal yesterday in a coaching session and in a consultation session. And they were like, I can do that. I can do that, I guess. <laughs> no, I know. It's, it's reflection yeah. is hard because we're always on the move or on the go. And a lot of it's painful, you know, we have to face ourselves. Yeah. Well, I got divorced a few years ago. And, um, I mean, I used to hear people saying, Oh yeah, well I'm divorced. And I'd be like, Oh yeah, who cares? And they, you know, be like, what's the hardest thing I've ever been through? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. A lot of people are divorced. It's not that bad. It really was bad. It was like somebody died and I had to, you know, grieve Mm -hmm. the death of the person I was to the person I am now, you know? So, but there is a lot more inside of you than you think there is. You know, but when you go through something like that, it sort of brings it up and it's painful, like to look at your past and to see what's happened. And, but it really all comes to a place of acceptance. Like we're so hard on ourselves. I could look back through that process and I had a therapist help me with this, but there were a lot of things in my past that I just had not dealt with that I learned Hmm. through them as a child to just not deal with it and pick back up and keep moving. And that was something I prided myself on as a personality trait. I'm just going to get right back up and keep on rolling. And it's not a healthy thing. I don't know how I just got off on that. <laughs> no, that that's great, actually, because I want to ask you about your background and your journey and how you came upon this realization of how to treat transformation around this topic differently. Mm-hmm. Can you share kind of what life was like before? I know we've touched on it here and there through the conversation, but yes, a little more on your journey, if you will. Definitely. I started dieting when I was 12. So that is incredibly early. And I tried every diet. I went on every diet in the eighties. If you just get on Google it and every diet that comes up, I went on all of those diets and none of them worked. I went to college and developed an eating disorder. Let's see what else happened. Do you mind talking about that just a little bit? No, of course not. I don't mind at all. Because I think a lot of us don't really know what that means and that there's a spectrum as well. And yeah, let's see. Well, so I was dieting and, you know, taking diet pills and all kinds of crazy stuff in high school. But when I was in high school, living in my parents' house, there was a lot of structure, you know, so I knew what to expect. I got up every day. I went to school, came home, studied, whatever. And so in the midst of this, I was trying to diet off 
it really was probably like five pounds. It was ridiculous. You know, Dexatrim and all my friends were taking diet pills. So when I went to college, you're away from your environment, your little structured home environment. I did not know how to handle it. I was not prepared for it for a lot of reasons that I won't go into, but I started drinking heavily, just like everybody else around me, you know, binge drinking. And then my emotional eating. So I guess I should go back really quick and say that the reason I was having problems with losing weight or gaining or with food really was that I taught myself how to eat to make myself feel better. So as a child feeling alone and isolated and whatever, like nobody understood me, I would go in my room, lock the door and take tons of food up there and just eat. And it made me feel better. Like it was the act of eating made me feel better. Mm -hmm. So when I got to college, all of that stress led me right back to that place of I'm miserable. I don't know how to handle it. And so I would eat. So I would go through a drive through, get a ton of food, go to my dorm and I would eat. And because I wasn't exercising anymore and I was, you know, hanging out and getting drunk with my friends, I was very inactive and I gained probably almost 20 pounds. So I'm five, three. And it was like, I came home for Christmas and my mom and my dad were like, Oh, honey, you know, like what happened? And it was terrible. It really, it's not funny, but it was awful. I was devastated. I felt worthless. And so the only way that I could figure out how to get rid of it was to binge and purge. So I was bulimic probably for three years, like most of college. So what I would say about that, though, is that really it was a lot of self-hatred, a lot of shame. It was desperation. I don't know. It's a very isolating experience to be bulimic because you have to hide that you're eating all that food. Then you have to hide while you go into the bathroom. One of my friends figured it out and she started doing it. So it was like we had this little secret thing that we knew what we were doing, but nobody else did. But I don't know. I really don't even know what else to say about it, except for that it was the most I've never felt so depressed and low in my entire life. It's the ultimate self abuse to eat something. It's food nourishes you and then to violently, you know, throw it up. So it was awful. It was terrible. Thank you for sharing that part of the journey. I know that's not a fun place to go back to and try to recall. Did you seek help or was it something that you transitioned out of on your own? No, my mom found out what was going on and she sat me down and said, we're going to get you some help. See, this is my pattern. She said, we're going to get you some help. And I said, nope, I don't need any help. I'm not going to do this anymore. And I quit and I just, wow, (laughs) that's my personality kind of. And that's, it's actually not a good thing because that's what I meant earlier. Like I don't deal with, I haven't up until like recently dealt with a lot of those things, you know? So I think going back to it, What I really needed to deal with was why I was using food to fill myself up. And now now I know why. I've done all the work. And now what that allowed me to do is to love myself, to feel bad for my little preteen self, you know, and to say, it's okay, I'm not worthless and weak. I used to say, why can't I just lose weight? And it's like now... No wonder I was using food. I was treating myself in such an awful way mentally. It's just all a cycle. So you got to go back and say, if you're having a hard time losing weight and you feel shame about it, you need to go way, way, way back 
and think about like, when did you start using food? I think we tie shame to our eating habits. We shouldn't do that because you're not going to ever fix it if you don't go way back yet, you know? Yeah, that really resonates because I think that we all have things connected to our young person that we sometimes don't consciously know how it's manifesting in our adult lives now. And this is definitely one of those yeah. things, our relationship to food, whether it's good or bad, I think it's connected to how we felt when we were young. And yeah, do you feel like that for you is a process of kind of forgiving and loving that young person? Yes, absolutely. I really was alone. My family's wonderful, but I was definitely alone, left to my own devices. I didn't have a lot of emotional support or, you know, just people physically were there, but not engaged with me. So, and I, that's okay. They did the best they knew how to do, but it's a lot of forgiveness. Yeah, definitely. But mostly to know that no matter what I look like, no matter if I gain a little bit of weight or lose weight, if I feel like I've lost weight and I look great, you know, that doesn't have anything to do with who I am. And Whatever my body looks like is just my body, and it's a reflection of what's going on inside of me. So if I don't like what it looks like, I have to go inside and say, what's happening right now that's making me make the wrong choices? So that's the key right there. That's really powerful to think of it that way and shift into asking that question Mm -hmm. in a way that is part of your habit. It's part of what you decide to do first. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. That's a big one for people to hear, I think. I think so too. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely is inside out. Uh, Absolutely. 100% it's inside out. Yeah. So how did you come to that, that sort of realization and then wanting to build a life around this really, because this is what you do now. Yeah. You write around food, you're a registered dietitian, Mm -hmm. you help women in this area. So How did that all start happening for you? Well, so it was probably in my mid thirties, early thirties, maybe I was so miserable from all of this torture of trying to diet and then obsessing about what I looked like and trying to lose that same 10 pounds that I literally sat on my couch in my little apartment in Atlanta and cried and just said, I can't do this for another minute. I just couldn't do it. And so I made a decision. I am going to stop worrying about what I look like all the time. I can't keep beating myself up like this. I'm going to stop worrying about what I'm eating. I'm not going to exercise. I'm just going to take a break from all of this. I was really afraid I was just going to start eating everything in sight and, you know, gain tons of weight. But it was the opposite. When all of that resistance was gone, I felt literally the next morning I woke up and I was like, You know, I could breathe. I didn't have to go on a five mile run. I didn't have to try not to eat all day. I didn't have to. None of that was in my headspace anymore. And I didn't know how long I was going to do this for. I just said, I can't do this anymore for now, at least. And so what happened was, is that I allowed myself to eat whatever I wanted to eat. But what I decided to eat, my normal patterns of sitting in front of the TV with ice cream, I would sit down and I would be like, well, you know, eat a little bit. And I would say, this really isn't even that good. I don't know why this was like so compelling before. So I would just stop eating it. And I started experimenting with cooking where I used to say, I hate to cook. I don't know how to cook. I got really excited about food and cooking a little bit. I mean, mind you, it was not five star chef, anything close to that. It was just fun. Like I'm going to get in my kitchen and make a meal instead of, you know, going to get fast food or whatever. 
And then I started saying, I want to learn more about how food affects my body. So I went down to the uh, university in Atlanta after work at night. I took a nutrition class and I loved it. And then I just kept going. So that was the piece about setting a goal. Once I got into this, like, I'm going back to school. I'm going to get another degree. I was so like supercharged about my life. And then I started running. I signed up for a 5K, a 10K, a half marathon. And then I ended up doing four marathons where before it was like I just had to force myself out the door to go on a run. But it was just all of this, you know, inspiration around me that I was generating excitement and enthusiasm. And with that combined with no resistance of dieting and starving and restricting and fear-based relationship with food, all of that conspired literally within probably 30 days. I mean, maybe not quite that fast, but I never had to worry about it again. The weight came off. I was just dumbfounded. I was like, what in the world? This, it was that easy. Like, and that's the point. We're making it so hard that we're keeping the weight stuck to our bodies, you know? Oh my gosh. Anyway, yeah, setting a goal. And then I got excited. Like, what if I wrote a book? You know, this was years ago. And now, I mean, it's 20 years ago, but I really didn't go full force with it until I was right before I started my divorce process, which is not a coincidence because I was starting to realize like, this is not how I want to live my life. I don't want to be in this kind of a relationship for the rest of my life. And so as I started to make those internal shifts, my marriage fell apart, which not fell apart, it ended. And I'm happy that it did end. And then I started my business. And I mean, I feel like a totally different person. But this can happen for everyone. You know, maybe should we say that one more time that you're keeping the weight stuck to your body with all of the resistance we're generating, you're keeping it there. Just let it go. Seriously, let it go. You're not going to turn into some crazy, hideously unattractive person by letting yourself eat what you want to eat. You will know your preferences for food will shift and change without all of this shit we put on ourselves. Like, I'm so fat. I'm so disgusting. I look awful. You know, nobody loves me. And it's terrible. So that was a very convoluted way of saying all of that. But hopefully that helps the women who are listening to this podcast, because I want that for everyone. You know, that's why I'm doing this. Yes. And, and you know, it's for the men too, I have to say. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know so many men. No, that's okay. You work with women, but I know men listen to this too. And it's prevalent for everyone and anyone where we're having these messages. Women have been under the radar, or excuse me, not under the radar, but in the spotlight, I should say, around this kind of stuff for longer across the globe and society. But you know, men don't get to talk about it because we're taking all of that spotlight. So yeah, I just want to give them true. some of that too, because they have their own journey of emotional, you know, men are not allowed to talk about their emotions. It's that's starting true. to change. I want to make just a little space for them too, because it, we all have a body. We all have a childhood. We all have these emotional experiences. And luckily women are creating space to talk about it. And I think we all grow as a group you know, male, female, whatever, when everyone is doing the work. That's true. So I just want to make a little 
nod towards the men too. This is for them too. Yeah. I want them to hear it for themselves as well. I totally agree. (laughs) Yeah. And so I say that because when we say women, it's because we are talking through the lens of how you work with women, but the message is for for everybody that it lands on. It's scary because I, you know, I'm a person who has the same, we have a similar journey in that I am always worried about those five to 10 pounds And I wasn't fat as a kid, but I was commented on as if I was, and that stuck with me and that was not fun. And unfortunately, yeah, it was horrible, but it happened at such a young age with my friend group that it's hard to shake that for me as a young person. I didn't understand the concept of lying or being mean. It just didn't make sense to me at all. So if someone said something to me or said anything at all, I took it as truth. Yeah, it must be true. And I think maybe a lot of children feel that way. But I, I was conscious of the fact that I thought that way and that stuck with me. And so fast forward to like the LA experience and having, you know, strangers come and again, oh my God. what I should look like is such a strange experience to be in. And for me, I just removed myself. So that's what I tend to do. It's like, that's what can I just get rid of? <laughs> thing that you did. Actually, I, my brother used to live in LA and I went out there one time and I swear to God, I thought I looked really cute, and then I sat in some sort of coffee bean tea leaf place, and the women that walked in there, I was like, I feel like a troll. They were, <laughs> they were like decked. I mean, they weren't decked out, but they all had on like their yoga pants and their blowout. Right. And I was like, oh my god, I have to get out of here. If you want to feel bad about yourself, go to LA. Yeah, right. It's I'm so interesting, <laughs> and even like from city to city is so different. Like how we're received, how how I've noticed I'm received from place to place, just from like 10 miles away versus yeah, so, so interesting. But all that said, it's like, that's my external environment. I cannot control it, right? I'm not supposed to, that's whatever that is. And it's really about that, like me going back and dealing with that little girl who got those comments and no one telling her that that wasn't the truth. And that's just some stupid kid's opinion. I know. Well, it's so hard. We all do that when you're little. You're just like a blank slate. And anything anybody says to you or even not even directly, but the way, the vibe that you're getting, it it changes. It makes you who you are. My dad was a very, very, nobody cares about the whole story, but he's wonderful. He works hard. He's so generous. He's very successful, but he is very hard on my brother and me so much so that I felt like I couldn't do anything right. So as a result of that, I have organized my whole life. Now I'm getting better with this, but around everything being perfect so that no one can call me out, you know? So like Mm. I, I work on it. If I write a blog post, I'm like, can you just stop editing this thing and press publish? This is ridiculous. So we all take it all in and we absorb it. And now our kids have to deal with people, things people say, total strangers on their social media. And we need to have a shift again, I hope, to where people aren't afraid to put themselves out there, you know, for fear that someone's going to say, your post sucked, you know, and they might do that. But yeah, I don't want anyone to be afraid to put themselves out there and try. We need a lot more of that. Yeah. And I think it's hearing conversations like this, where we're talking about all of the sides of it. You know, I struggle with perfectionism as well. So I try to talk about things that don't feel comfortable. Like, you know, I don't talk about this very often that I 
am constantly thinking about my weight still because it's still in there. It's still there. Yeah. And me too. You know, right. So here we are with the tools, right? Mm -hmm. And we're using them, but yet it's still a process. Yeah. Still human beings. Yes. There's always more things we can do to stay in the process and life changes, circumstances changes, all of these things that will influence how that looks from moment to moment. But we can definitely empower ourselves to have more confidence and focus, know when to shift the focus. I think what you just did is so brilliant because you admitted that you struggle still. And here you are with your own podcast. I'm going to totally admit it and say that I still think about my body and what I look like because it is burned into my soul. But we need to tell other women, like this is my whole career is to teach women how to lose weight without dieting and to love themselves and set better goals. And I can be confident in teaching that and also coexist in a me that still struggles and that always does. We need to let people know that no one's perfect, no matter who they are, what they're teaching, everyone is struggling. And I think that makes it easier for people to say, okay, well, I'm not the only one. Even she struggles with that. Or we need to all just be vulnerable, totally vulnerable and use our stories to share, to connect with other people and help them feel okay. Yeah. I love that you did that. Thank you. Thank you. I do think the normalizing helps us take the sting out of feeling. It's such, like you said, it's so lonely. Uh-huh. Earlier when you're talking about your journey, there's moments in it that can feel so isolating. Yeah, definitely. And it's a lonely process because there is so much shame mm-hmm. about this issue particularly. And um, yeah, I do think the normalization part is so important. And I really am grateful that you are willing to talk about it from that perspective also, that it's a journey that you're still in the process of yes. too, and you can still live in your power and help other people at the same time. And I actually think that fuels the power, honestly, I mm-hmm. think when I we agree. have an experience, you know, yeah, it makes it a bigger impact because you can talk through your own experience. Yeah, definitely. And pretending to be somebody that you're not is not living in your power. Right. And then you being authentic, 100% authentic helps other people be authentic. Yeah. There's too much hiding behind whatever we're putting out there on social media. Well, I mean, it's just hard. I feel compelled to put a bunch of filters all over my pictures too. I'm not going to lie. It's just hard. You just want to, I don't know. It's all a journey for all of us and the journey never ends until you're no longer here on this earth. So let's just all be kind to each other and agree that we're all on a journey. We're doing the best that we can and just put yourself out there as much as you can at risk feeling vulnerable and risk that people are going to criticize you and put yourself out there in all of your glory and your power. And I swear to you, you will never have to worry about losing weight again. And even if you don't lose the 10 or 20 pounds, you aren't going to give a shit about it. If you're out there like kicking ass and taking names and doing something that you love and you're passionate about, or at least you'll care less. (laughs) <laughs> totally. <laughs> I yeah, love that. Sorry for all the oh. cursing, but I get fired up about it. It makes me that really can mad. That good energy you know? though to put into to the message. So I respect that. And don't worry, <laughs> I cuss like a sailor. They know me here. It's fine. <laughs> I can't picture that, but I love that you do. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's a funny irony that exists. <laughs> yeah. No, that's great though. Sometimes a, a good F-bomb really just cuts through right there and Get your meaning in the cross. message sometimes. Yes, yeah, sometimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so 
I feel like we covered it, but I do want to give you the opportunity to answer this question. Uh-huh. If there is just one takeaway from this conversation you would like a listener to walk away with, what would that be? One takeaway is please do not waste your one precious life here on this earth with all of the gifts that you were put here to express and to live in the joy and the power that you were put here. This is not just, you know, me saying all these, you know, catchy phrases or whatever. It's true. You're born powerful, all powerful. You learned how to feel not powerful, but you are. Please do not waste one more minute of your life obsessing about what you look like and for sure dieting. Just let it go. Start today from square one, from step one, and keep taking baby steps. And you will eventually just shock yourself of who you really were born to be. Yeah, that's what I would say. Oh, that's beautiful. Thank you for that. I feel that. Yeah, I feel it too. That's what I'm living in now. And I feel so joyful and grateful and happy that I'm finally at this place and getting better all the time. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. There's so much exponential height you can get to right with your Mm -hmm. power as a person and um there's always more light you can let in so thank you for saying that the way you did yeah how can we connect with you yeah well my website is camillemartinrd.com and i'm on instagram i think all of my handles are just camillemartinrd I might be Camille underscore Martin underscore RD. I need to get them all the same. I'm clueless when it comes to social media sometimes. But yeah, you could go to my website and find all of the stuff there. And if anybody has a question about anything, even if it's food related or whatever, I'm here. You can email me anytime. I'm just here to support any woman who is struggling with any of these things. So let me know. Amazing. And I will put all of your handles in the show notes so we don't okay. have to worry about where to find it. Awesome. I have you on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and your website. So that is what I will post for you Yeah, and for the listener. And just thank you so much. I'm so grateful for this conversation. It was really, really refreshing and lovely. Well, thank you for having me. It's easy to talk to you. And yeah, I loved everything about it. And um, I look forward to keeping in touch with you. And thank you, everyone who's listening for your time and listening and to me talk incessantly about my life. (laughs) (laughs) We need to know. (laughs) Okay, good. I hope so. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Beeple Begin. We hope that these episodes are helping inspire and empower you to take your next steps towards whatever you're thinking of creating. And if starting a podcast is what you're thinking of creating, then I would love to have you in my brand new private Facebook group, Unleash Your Podcast Niche, a podcast learning community for the aspiring podcaster who cares about creating an authentic message and making an impact with podcasting. Join us for live opportunities with me and meet other creatives like you who are at the same stage. There's a link in the show notes to join us. Happy creating.